0: And welcome to my channel, Freedom by Faith Ministries. I am Pamela Noel, and I will be your host for today. So, we're going to start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord for bringing us together today, Lord. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me with your word, with your wisdom, with knowledge, understanding, and discernment by the blood of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to take over this um, talk tonight, Lord. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me that I don't speak out of my own opinion or my flesh, that I will take myself aside so that you will teach your children what truth that you would like to be revealed today. So we are going to continue our talk on spiritual warfare. Today we're going to speak on the breastplate of righteousness. And as you remember, if you have had a chance to look at our previous videos, I would highly recommend you do so. One of our pictures that I had shown was a, of a soldier who had on his helmet, he had a breastplate on, he had his belt. He had his shoes on. He had a sword and a shield. And today, we're going to focus on righteousness. How do we put on the righteousness, the breastplate of the righteousness of Jesus? And why is it important to walk in right standing with God in order to have power and authority over Satan so that we can ensure we gain the victory that Jesus has already died for us on the cross? So when you live a life of godliness... Right and defeat Satan in every battle and every temptation that comes against you. The purpose is not to show off your your power over Satan because you have none, right? But you are in effect demonstrating demonstrating the triumphant victory of Jesus when he, when He conquered Satan. When he conquered death in the grave and he rose again on the third day, he declared victory over Satan. And because he died for our sins, we now have the righteousness of Christ and we also can walk in authority over the enemy. So we're going to start first of all with Romans three verses 21 to 31. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right, in his sight, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do In this present time, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. And so we know that righteousness, right, is to be made right with God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to speak on a little bit about that, right? And another verse Paul talks about, you know, when you have faith in God and you are a Walking in righteousness you're a child of god right does that mean we can continue living in sin because jesus died for our sins and the answer is no and so to be walking in the righteousness of christ means that we are in right standing with him because of our faith in jesus and so we're going to look at the next passage romans 6 verses 15 through 18. well then since god's grace has set us free from the law Does that mean we can continue going on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? So you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you are slaves of sin, But now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you're free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Okay, so living rightly, being in right standing with God means that we are slaves of righteous living, which means we're slaves to righteousness, as Paul has said. Um, So we're going to stay in the same chapter, but we're going to back up a little bit and go to verses five and six. Paul says to the Romans, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to a new life as he was, right? So because we're living in the righteousness of Christ, we're no longer living in slavery to sin, right? Jesus died on the cross and our old self has also died with him and he was raised to new life three days later and we we have also been risen to new life. Isaiah 61 verse 10, Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord, my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. Right. So this is, um, very interesting because it's like putting on the righteousness like a robe, right? It's like a garment, Right? And so it is not our works, it's not the law that makes us righteous, it is the righteousness of Christ. But here, I love how this passage says it, he says, God himself will drape us in the robe of his righteousness. Okay? And so when you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness, it is not what you're doing, right? What we think is right, doing things based on our own, our own opinions or flesh, right? We're putting on a breastplate that could become that belongs to someone else. It's Jesus's breastplate. Um, and so... As we have seen in previous segments, which I highly recommend you review, um, we have learned that the belt of truth in spiritual warfare, the truth is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. So our belt, Jesus is our belt in the battle. We have learned also that the word of God, the sword of the Holy Spirit, the the sword of the Spirit, is the Word of God. And we learn in John 1 that Jesus is the Word of God. So the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, also has a name. And the name of that sword is Jesus. And now we're learning that the breastplate of righteousness also comes from Christ. Jesus is our breastplate, right? So we put on the robe of righteousness. We put on the righteousness as a robe, as a garment that only comes from God, that only comes from Christ. And so we're starting to see a pattern that... Our spiritual warfare requires that we use all of the weapons that God has provided for us. And we're seeing that every single one of those weapons can only come from Jesus. Okay? And so in order to talk about righteousness, it's a very vast topic. And so I've decided to focus on one very key aspect of righteousness. To walk in righteousness requires humility towards God. And so I'm going to spend a little bit more time talking about Humility as we have um, already learned that Satan had fallen, right? He was a glorious angel um, Lucifer and he was given a mighty powers. He was beautiful Um, but he lost everything when he decided that he wanted to be God, right? He fell because of pride. And so Jesus, on the other hand, he humbled himself and he was raised after three days by the power of the Holy Spirit and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. But before that could happen, Jesus had to humble himself first. And so because we are following Christ, we are his disciples, we are going to learn what does it mean to walk in righteousness, specifically in humility as um, looking at the pattern of Jesus. So let's look at Ephesians two verses one, two, three. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He, Satan, the, The spiritual ruler of this world, which we know the commander of the powers of the unseen world is Satan. So he here is Satan. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our own sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So this is interesting because we're learning now that when we're living in sin, when we're living to please our own flesh, when we're living according to our own thoughts, our own desires, it says that those who refuse to obey God, and that includes Christians, unfortunately. We're not speaking only of people who are not quote-unquote Christians or believers. It says those who refuse to obey God. It doesn't say those who are non-Christians. Right, so it doesn't say that it says those who refuse to obey God, who is at work in their hearts, Satan is the one at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God, right? And so, when you're looking at uh, the warrior, the picture that I've up that I that we uh, put up at the beginning of this talk, that he has a breastplate that is covering his chest, right? And so, one of the vital organs that a breastplate protects is the heart and so when when you're seeing here that when you're thinking about it um literally speaking when an enemy comes against you and they're coming for your heart and you have a breastplate that protects your heart in the spiritual sense that is the your breastplate of righteousness so walking in right standing with god protects the heart it protects the enemy from having access to the heart because that is where he operates to manipulate those who are lost and don't have God or refuse to obey him, right? And so when we're walking in the righteousness of God, Satan has no access to your heart, right? And so our um, battle strategy in the war against evil, the spiritual warfare that we're in is to protect our heart from being accessed by the devil and his demonic principalities. And one of the tools, one of the uh, weapons that we we need is to walk humbly and rightly before God. James 4, verse 7. We're going to look at this passage many times. It's a very, very important passage. It says, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay. So this is so important because it doesn't say be a Christian, go to church every Sunday and Satan has to flee from you. Right. So what, what, what James is saying here that For you to have the ability to resist the devil so that he must flee requires first that we humble ourselves before God, right? And so we... In, in church, we always think, because I'm a Christian, I go to church every Sunday, I believe in God, I have power with Satan. You will not find that verse in the Bible, right? That, is, that does not exist in scripture, that going to church gives you power over the enemy. And so Satan does a very good job destroying Christians who have that mentality because it is not the word of God, right? So we already learned from one of our previous sessions that the word of God is one of our weapons, right? The sword of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so... Satan understands that he must he must know, he must know that when we have knowledge and power based on the word of God, that he has no power over us, right? And so this verse is very telling because it's saying that when you humble yourself before the Lord, only then can you resist the devil. And when you do so, he must, right? The Bible is very clear. Satan must flee from us, right? We're not asking him. We're not hoping and praying that he'll flee. This verse is very telling that he must he must flee, right? And so being humble before God is to walk righteously before him, to be in right standing with God, which one of the ways is humility, which is the only one topic that we're going to talk about um, this, uh, during this talk. And humility gives us power over him. Humility gives us power over Satan. And when we humble ourselves before God, which means we're, obe- we're being obedient to his word, right? That is our breastplate. And in doing so, Satan has no access to your heart and he cannot manipulate you to use you for his purposes. So our next verse we're going to look at is Hosea chapter four, verses six, verse six. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Okay. And so we learned before that the word of God is God. God is the word of God, right? Jesus is the word of God. So if we don't know the word of God, we don't know Jesus, right? And so he's saying here, my people, he's talking about God's people. He's not talking about Satan's people. He's not saying the world's people are being destroyed because they don't know God. The world doesn't know God, but he's specifically talking about his people. His people are destroyed also. Why? Because they don't know, right? And so if we don't know that it requires humility and righteousness to walk, In in victory over Satan, you will be destroyed, right? And so a lot of Christians are under the mentality, because I'm a Christian, I'm protected. You will never see a verse in the Bible that say, I protect Christians, right? That verse does not exist, right? It requires that we know the word of God and know it well, because that is our weapon against the enemy. And knowing the word of God and doing the word of God and walking righteously, being being in right standing with God as we humble ourselves before him, only then do we have power over the enemy. So I'm going to read it one more time. My people, God's people are being destroyed, right? Because they don't know me. So because God's word is sovereign, right? The word of God must come to pass. When a believer is ignorant of the word of God and they are in opposition with Satan, they must be destroyed according to this verse. So it's on us, to know our weapons it's on us to study the word of God and to humble ourselves before him and to, and to walk in the righteousness of Christ in humility so that when, not if, when the attack comes, we are well prepared, okay? So who does God give knowledge to, right? He says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me, right? So how does, how does God teach, whom, whom, right? Whom does God teach, I should say? All Christians who go to church every Sunday who believe, we're going to see, right? So, so that means, in, according to this verse, in order to not be destroyed, it requires knowledge. It, it requires knowledge, right? So how do we gain knowledge from God? So Psalms 25 tells us. We're going to look at verses 9 to 12, 14 and 15 also. Psalm 25, verses 9 to 12 David says he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. Notice David is not saying, because I believe in God, he will lead me, right? He's not saying that. He says those who are humble. Number nine, he leads the humble in doing right. Right? So notice God is only leading those who are humble. And in the same chapter, 14 and 15 says, this is David talking again. He says, the Lord is a friend to everyone who believes. No, he doesn't say that. He says, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him and he teaches them his covenant. Right? And so for us to be taught, by God, to have knowledge and understanding that will, that will prevent destruction. As he has said in, in Hosea, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me here. It's telling you, how do we know God? It requires first that we are humble first before him. Right. And so David is telling us that God will lead us, right. He will teach us, right. So God will guide us along the right path. Why? When we're humble before him. Right. And so Satan knows that very well. And he knows that if we are out of the will of God because of pride, that we have to be destroyed because that is the word of God and the word of God cannot change. And so we do not want to have Satan use our ignorance of God's word to his advantage. Right. So it is on us to learn the word of God and to be humble and obedient to the word of God so that when we resist the devil, he has no other option but to flee. Okay, so ask yourself this question. Would you consider yourself to be humble? Would you consider yourself to be obedient to the word of God? Right. And so if, if, for example, someone lied about you, betrayed you in some way, um, how quickly would you forgive that person? Or would you fight to um, preserve your reputation? Right. Would you just say, oh, well, I'm a Christian. God's on my side. Right. Would that be your response? Right. How would you respond to opposition? Somebody coming against you? Right. And so also often, I believe Christians fall for these tactics because we don't realize that there's a spiritual warfare behind that person and that we don't fight flesh and blood. And that person is a tool that Satan is using to get at your pride so that instead of uh, being humble before God and forgiving that person, now you're fighting for your your reputation. Right. And you're going to go behind their back. Well, they did it to me. I'm going to do it to them. I'm going to give them a piece of, of my mind. Right. You've lost that battle already. Right. And so we must be wise. We must practice wisdom and understanding when we humble ourselves before God so that he can reveal to us the real spiritual battle that's going on and not just what's going on in the natural. Okay, Um, the next verse um, in talking about forgiveness, um, Romans 12, verses 17 to 21, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, which includes our enemies. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Not our unrighteous anger, but the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say God is talking. I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. This is the most important one. It says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And so the example that I came up with, um, if someone comes against you and lies about you, betrays you in some way, or tries to hurt your career, or whatever they're doing, and you're attacking that person, if you're not doing good to that person, you've already lost that battle. Right? So even if you go to court, even if you win in front of a, a human judge, but a, in front of the, the courts of heaven, you've lost that battle because the battle was actually a spiritual one. Right? And so um, Paul is saying to the Romans in 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So there are two options in every battle. Are you going to allow evil to conquer you or are you going to conquer evil? And the only way to conquer evil is by doing good. So if you're not going to do good when evil comes against you, you've had, you, have allowed, you have allowed evil to conquer you, okay? And so when you're in a battle, you have one of two options, as I mentioned, right? And unfortunately, most Christians, unfortunately, with the wisdom and the knowledge of God that we have literally at our fingertips, allow evil to conquer them on a regular basis, Colossians 1 verses 15 through 18, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he's supreme over all creation for through him, this is Christ, this is God created everything through him, God created everything through Christ, God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, in the unseen world, which includes the demonic world. Um, Everything was created through Jesus, through him, and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, So he is first in everything. So Christ is first in everything, right? So let's remember that. We're going to go to the next passage, and I'm going to show you why this is so important. Okay? So remember that Christ is the head of the church. He's the beginning and supreme over everything, right? Everyone who rises from the dead, he's the first in everything, Right, so the next passage, keeping this one in mind, okay, Philippians two verses five through eleven says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Right, so Paul's now talking to us, the children of God, right? Jesus' followers, his disciples, right? So we learn in Colossians one that Jesus is the head above the church; he's the head of over everything; he's first, and here. Paul is saying have the same attitude he had. So what kind of attitude did Jesus have? Right? He's God. He's first in everything. Right? What does that mean? What what kind of attitude should we have? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. Right, So how can Jesus be first in everything and now he has the position of a slave and he made that decision. and He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form, yet he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, what does that mean? Therefore, because he took the humble position of a slave... Right? And he took the death of a criminal on a cross because of that. Nine, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. So we learn in Colossians 1 that Jesus is the head over everything. But why is that? Why? Because he humbled himself first. Right? Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth. And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we know that Jesus is the head over everything. But before that had to happen, it said, therefore, God elevated him after he first humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death. On a cross, And so that is the pattern that we as believers, as followers of Christ, are following, right? We must first humble ourselves. Only then do we have power and authority over evil, but it requires obedience, right? The righteousness of Christ to be worn as a robe, as a garment on us at all times. So we're going to look at two other passages before we enter today. Ephesians 3, verses 10 and 11. Why is it so important to God that His children humble themselves before Him? So, we're going to look at one reason. It's not the only reason, but it's, it's one reason. Why is it so important to God that we, as His children, humble ourselves before Him and follow the pattern of Christ Jesus, right? So, Ephesians 3, verse 10 and 11 God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. His eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, right? But he says the purpose in everything, in everything, right? He's using the church, us believers, the body, the body of Christ, to display his wisdom, right? To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And so in Ephesians 6, we know that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but the battle that we're facing, the spiritual battle, is between us and the demonic kingdom of Satan, right? The spiritual powers in the unseen world. And so Paul is saying God is using us to display the wisdom of God to the demonic kingdom, right? And so it requires our humility because the plan of God, the wisdom of God is shown through Christ Jesus. And so we as believers must follow that pattern that Jesus was elevated when he first humbled himself. And in James, we learn that when you humble yourself before the Lord and then resist the devil, only then must he flee. So we're going to stop here and continue our talk on the righteousness of Christ. Today we spoke more about humility and we're going to dig a little bit deeper on that topic on our next session. And don't forget to check out our first few sessions on spiritual warfare just so you can have a better idea of every single one of our weapons and what it means and how what the Bible says about them. How do we use the spiritual um, weapons that God has provided us so that we can be victorious in every spiritual battle we're faced so heavenly father we thank you again lord for your word we thank you for your wisdom and we ask you lord as we um, take in the word of god as we take in your wisdom that we can walk in the righteousness of christ that we can walk humbly before you and do the will of god so that we will continue to be victorious and as we put on the breastplate of righteousness to not allow satan access to the heart because that is where he operates so we thank you god for Um, giving us more understanding of your word so that as we go uh, forward in our lives that we will continue to demonstrate the victory that you have already died to give us. So we thank you everyone for joining us and we are looking forward to seeing you again next time. Have a blessed day. Are you ready to step into your calling and destroy fear, worry, doubt, and anxiety? In Our Victory, God's Glory, author Pamela Noel describes the stop and do nothing else principle that was used by some of the most powerful people in scripture, including David, Moses, Peter, and Daniel. This You Can't Help Yourself book reveals that success in every area of your life lies in one name. Our Victory, God's Glory, was written to support Haiti's elite medical team, a Haitian-American owned, not-for-profit organization that provides healthcare services to the poor in Haiti. Proceeds from the sale of this book will help support our efforts. The ultimate goal is to build a hospital and provide much needed medical care services currently unavailable to those with limited access to quality healthcare. Available at Amazon, your local bookstore, or at Trilogy.tv.